When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge, now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Welcome to the latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. On this edition of our podcast, I'll be joined by Auburn head coach Bruce Pearl, one of the two remaining undefeated teams in the country. Wichita State head coach Greg Marshall, fresh off a victory at UConn as the Shockers are back to doing what they do best, which is play their tails off, grab rebounds, dive on the floor, and be incredibly difficult to beat. Kevin Palga, the assistant athletic director from Michigan State. We will discuss our latest March Madness bracket. Yes, as the college football season closes, we turn our attention to the bracket because that's the next major sporting event in the American sports calendar. So, got to bracket up at NCAA.com and March Madness. We'll discuss that with Kevin as well. And in the back part of the podcast, as always, predictions with Chad Acock from Turner Sports. All right, time for your headlines in college basketball. At number five. And I think the Big Ten is really indicative of what we have in college basketball. But basically, you've got a group, a bunch of four-star caliber teams, and we'll see how conference play shakes out. The Big East may be deeper with possible NCAA tournament teams by percentage, because there's only 10, versus 14 in the Big Ten. But, as you will see in my bracket, and we're going to discuss this, i got a ton of Big Ten teams in, and it is easily the hardest conference to predict. Michigan State looks dominant. They get blown out at Purdue. Wisconsin gets beat at home by Illinois. They go and win at Penn State. Maryland destroys Indiana and then goes and loses at Iowa. They beat Ohio State. They can't beat Iowa on the road. Iowa couldn't win in Nebraska. It is by far the hardest conference to predict. Purdue only scored 37 against Illinois last Sunday, this Sunday, this past Sunday, they beat Michigan State and scored 37 in the first half. It's going to be crazy the next seven weeks. Headline number four, staying in the Big Ten. Rutgers now is a force. I mean, Penn State was loaded coming in. So Rutgers to beat them, a great, great feather in their cap, and they're a serious contender for an NCAA bid this season. Rutgers, under Steve Peichel, has a legit shot to make the first NCAA tournament since 1991. Sorry, I'm screaming, but I just can't. I got to get it out there. It is amazing what Steve Peichel has done at Rutgers. Really remarkable. And all the credit in the world because right now they're in our bracket. They're in today as we're taping. Number three. Well, it's, it's hard to win. And, and, um, and a lot of these guys aren't either used to 
to lose it, and we lost a couple in a row, and it's, it's a fine line, and, and all those little things matter. Virginia is not a lock to make the NCAA tournament, okay? That's crazy, but it's true. Virginia is not a lock to make the NCAA tournament. Now, as I looked at, you know, our latest bracket, I had to decide, what do I do with Virginia? Where do I seed them? Where do you put them? And look, it, it was hard, I mean, to, to decide what to do with the Cavaliers. And the crazy thing is, right now, you know, they're not playing like an NCAA tournament team. As we sit right here, right now, they are not playing like an NCAA tournament team. It's that simple. I mean, they lost to Boston College last week. They lost to Syracuse. They do not have an NCAA tournament resume right now. Just digest that. The reigning national champs may not be in the NCAA tournament. And number two. History made. Clemson snapped a 59-game losing streak at North Carolina with its first-ever win in Chapel Hill. They celebrated like it, and they deserve to. It has been an albatross around their neck. And all the power to Clemson. Embrace it. This is obviously the year to beat North Carolina, and they did tremendous by the Tigers to come up with that win. Just awesome to end that streak. 59 games in a row, 0-59, and they win. Great moment. We talked to Brad Bunnell after. You can see that interview on our March Madness social media handles. And number one, the top headline in college basketball. Hey, Taylor wants to let everybody know they are a terrific basketball team. There might, be a lot of, might be a lot of folks that are going, I didn't think they were that good. Mm-hmm. And they will move up in the rankings from four to in Kansas spot at three, if not higher. Baylor. Baylor may be the best team in the country. They won at Texas Tech and at Kansas. They're number one. In my power rankings, number two in AP, they're a number one seed in our bracket. Tremendous. What a week for Baylor. Their only loss, beginning of the season, to Washington and Alaska. Uh, just Scott Drew doing an amazing job. And that is the top headline of the week because it was the best week of any team this season, what Baylor did last week on the road in the Big 12. First ever win at Fog Allen, beating Texas Tech and Lubbock. The Baylor Bears, they may be the best team in the country. And those are your top five headlines in college basketball. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Auburn head coach Bruce Pearl, undefeated, 15-0, and 0, uh, has not lost since that national semifinal game to Virginia. Uh, it's been quite a run since uh, that night in Minneapolis, Bruce. I mean, how do you explain the start that you guys have had? You know, just uh, honestly, and just really good players. Um, I've got five seniors. Um, they want to make their own history. They're not living off of last year's team. We are such a different team than we were a year ago last year. We're, we spread it and we shot it. We set a record for the second most three-pointers made in the history of college basketball. But this this year's team can't shoot it like that. So we have to defend. we got to rebound. Um, you know, they're just, you know, we've got a little bit of culture, got a little bit of character. And, um, we haven't played, uh, you know, a top 25 team yet, but we've beaten a lot of really good teams. And, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's hard to beat 
the teams you're supposed to beat. Well, and that's the other thing, too. Like, so often, you know, all these top teams end up losing a game. I mean, Stephen F. Austin beat Duke. Uh, Kentucky lost at home to Evansville. Um, you know, Kansas has dropped games. All these teams drop games. So I don't care who you're playing. You still have won them all. How is How have your guys been able to deal with that where they're not dropping anything and not really missing a beat? Yeah, well, you know, Andy, thank you so much for comparing us to do Kentucky and Kansas. Auburn basketball has come a long way if we're in the same sentence making, making a reference there. But I think it's about being humble and hungry. You know, I think it's about uh, trying to, again, trying to make history, understand that they all, they all matter. Uh, when you've got seniors, they're counting down. How many games do they got left? You know, what they got left in their career, 20, something like that. Take advantage of every single opportunity. And, of course, the other thing, too, is it's not about winning games, but getting better. Like right now, we're good to very good, but we're not, we, I've, we've not crossed the very good threshold yet. We waste possessions offensively. Uh, we haven't shot it very well. Um, we could do a better job, uh, you know, rallying to the ball. But you know what? There's 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 room for growth. And and look, we better get better because this week we go to Alabama and and then we go to Florida. So we're gonna have to play better to win those games. And that's the other thing too. Once again, I know you've been home a lot, but you have been on the road or neutral, um, and you've taken care of business. How, how has the way you're playing so far transferred defense and rebounding travels. We've got six wins away from Auburn arena, uh, which is the most of the SEC. Um, and, and, and so that's, that's how we're able to, you know, kind of be consistent with, you know, with our effort and our energy, you know, playing unselfishly. Um, I looked at the stat sheet today, Andy, you know, there were, there were, uh, severe daddy took 12 shots. That was the most. One of our other guys had 10 about, Three or four guys had eight, a couple more had six. It's just really good balance. And um, nobody's out there trying to be the man. We're just out there trying to win games. To that point, Bruce, it feels like over the last two years, there's been a transition to where there's an expectation to win versus when you arrive. How, how did you see that materialize? Well, it, it, it's, it's what you want. Uh, Auburn Arena has been sold out five straight games. Um, and look, nobody puts more pressure on you than you, right? Nobody can put more, more pressure on any cats to perform and do your job to your expectation more than you can. And so it's the same thing, you know, you know for us. So um, we don't worry about the expectations. Um, we, work, we, we, we love the grind and, and, and we love the challenge of playing every night. You know, Bruce, we talked at the beginning about the way you've had to change a little bit the way you you played. I mean, when you think back in your career, how often have you had to do this where you've had to tweak a little the way you want to play based on the personnel? And, you know, I'm a system coach. And, and if you want to pay me a compliment, tell me my teams look like Dr. Tom's teams, uh, my mentor. Tom Davis. But, Tom Davis. Yes, sir. But um, you've got to go to your strengths. You've got to understand what your weaknesses are. And so, um, uh, you know, maybe this is the most drastic difference, but there is no Jared Harper, Bryce Brown, uh, Chuma Okiki. But there are other really good players that do different things than those guys. And so my job as a coach is to put them in positions to do what they're best at. And so I, I think that's what we do every year. We, we definitely do tweak it. The other thing, Bruce, is that this Auburn team doesn't have to be better than last year's Auburn team. We know that there are no great teams this season. There's a lot of good teams. Um, 
you know, how, how much do you look at that in the landscape and say, you know what, um, it doesn't matter if last year's team was better. We just got to be as good as we can be this season based on the rest of the country. I think you put the nail right on the head. And we have talked a little bit about that. I've asked my guys to look at the best teams in college basketball and know that, you know, they're, they're, they're really, I don't know that they're that much better than we are. Now, which teams are going to be different in February and March compared to we are where we are right now? And I think, obviously, that's what the focus is. I think the, the, the second thing is it is truly about matchups. And you don't know about matchups till you actually get in there um, and see what, see what the mix is. Uh, because a lot of times teams lose games in conference play and you think it's an upset or, you know, they didn't get ready to play. Or, you know what? A lot of times it's a, the, the system of one coach works better against the system of another coach and, and, and vice versa. So we'll just have to see, you know, how, how uh, you know, how, how it all plays out. But I think if you look all over college basketball, people should stay, stay in the game. The coaches that can keep their locker rooms together. I mean, I'm talking, there are, there are teams in leagues right now with two or three losses that, that could still win the league if, if, because it's such a grind. Look, last year, Auburn's basketball team started two and four in the SEC. And we came back, won, won our last five, got a five seed, and made some noise. You got to keep your locker room together. And speaking of that, Bruce, um, my tell me if you agree with me on this. I, I always feel like when you look at the last undefeated teams, and you're one of two with San Diego State, that that really only becomes like sort of this this weight if once you get to like 28, no, 29. Like, I, yeah. I, am I right? It just doesn't feel right. like the weight of that here in early January. Yeah, I can't even tell you how whether we're, we've won 14 or 15 or what, where we're at, somewhere in there. I don't even know. Um, but you're right. I, look, I don't think <laughs> that Auburn needs to worry about what's going to happen when we get down the road to 20-something. I just, I just don't look at us that way because I want my guys to be able to understand, look, we're going to get beat. I don't want to lose. I want somebody to beat us. But I just do definitely want to continue to grow, make each other better at both ends of the floor. I think our kids had fun. The environment in Auburn Arena was incredible. You know, we were supposed to be the primetime game on ESPN, Dick Vitale and uh, and company. Uh, but unfortunately, there was quite a bit of storms uh, in the uh, southeastern part of the country. We had to move our game up to 11. We still had a great screen with Jimmy Dykes and Carl Ravitch. We had, we had an all-star group that called the game, but it wasn't the national game on primetime. And so, yeah, I, I still think the rest of the country hasn't gotten a look at us yet. Um, you know, they're probably going to get a little bit of a look at us maybe Friday, excuse me, Saturday um, in, at Florida. And Bruce, the last thing is the best thing. You're a grandfather. How has that changed you? <laughs> well, my granddaughter is here at the house right now as we speak. So she's sweet. She's happy. She's content. Um, it's my daughter Leah's first child. And it's amazing, Andy, to see your youngest, my youngest daughter, you know, grow up, you know, go through high school, you know, make the, the incredibly competitive Cincinnati dance team, fall in love, marry a wonderful man, um, get married. Work at Turner. Nothing, nothing like watching her become a mother. That's crazy that my little girl is a mother. And I don't know what God does. He trains them. They, they have the instinct and the feel. This is her first child. She acts like it's her fifth. I mean, it's just such a wonderful blessing. God's blessed our family. Mazel tov. All the best, you know, to you and your family. Andy, thank you. Thank you so much.
And coming up next, it's Cats Ranks. I'm going to look at the 10 teams that are possible NCAA tournament teams that are the toughest to figure this season. Andy Katz, that guy will rank his wife's dinners. He'll rank anything. Welcome to our Cats Ranks, the top 10 of the week. And this week, I'm looking at 10 possible teams for the NCAA tournament who are extremely tough to figure out this season. It really is almost most of the country. You're going to see a lot of Big Ten in this group. Big Ten is very deep, but also so hard to split these teams essentially from 1 down to 10. All right, let's start at number 10. Purdue. The Boilermakers scored 37 points total in a loss at Illinois. They scored 37 in the first half against Michigan State on Sunday in a blowout victory over the Spartans. The Boilermakers, Travion Williams, can look great one night and sometimes disappear a little bit. Same with Matt Harms. This is a team to follow this season. Could be in the NCAA tournament, but extremely tough to figure out. At number nine, staying in the Big Ten, Indiana. The Hoosiers beaten Florida State at home. They lost to Arkansas at home. They got blown out at Wisconsin, at Maryland, and yet Indiana beat Ohio State at home. The Hoosiers are all over the map this season. At number eight, staying in the Big Ten, Wisconsin. The Badgers were awful early in the season. Five games away from the Kohl Center, they lost them all. And yet Wisconsin beat Indiana convincingly at home. Then they won at Ohio State and at Penn State. The Badgers look like an NCAA tournament team, yet they're still very difficult to figure out this season. At number seven, DePaul. The Blue Demons went 12-1 in the non-conference, and they look like, wait a minute, are they going to compete for the Big East regular season title? Well, they started out the Big East 0-3. So to project the Blue Demons this season, you're going to have to wait and see with this team. At number six, Providence. The Friars started the season as a potential Big East favorite. Then they completely tanked out of the gate, were awful out of the Wooden Legacy Classic, and then they start the Big East looking pretty good. In fact, they won at Marquette. But in a showdown against Butler, one of the best teams in the country at home last Friday night, the Friars got basically blown out and are now, yet again, a team that we just don't know which Friar team is going to show up on a given night. At number five, back to the Big Ten and Iowa. The Hawkeyes, granted, have had some injuries. Notably, Jordan Bohannon is done for the season. They've had to rely heavily on Luca Garza. But this is an Iowa team that lost badly at Nebraska and then blew out Maryland at home. Once again, the selection committee is going to have a hard time dealing with Iowa. At number four, staying in the Big Ten again, Illinois. Illinois is a team that can struggle at times, got blown out at Michigan State, yet beat Michigan at home. Uh, Looked very good in absolutely obliterating Purdue at home. And they eked out a home win over Rutgers, a very good Rutgers team. But this Illinois team, you want to be all in on, and they won at Wisconsin, but you're still a little uncertain about which Illinois team is going to show up. At number three, Virginia. The reigning national champs, the Cavaliers, they split a season series with Syracuse, not looking good offensively in either game. They lost at home to South Carolina. They lost at Boston College. And yet there are times when Virginia's defense has looked as good this season as they have in years past. Offensively, they're really struggling. They still have work to do to get in the NCAA tournament. And once again, a team that just can't really figure out right now. At number two, one of my preseason Final Four picks, the Florida Gators. This Florida team early in the season really didn't know 
who it was. A lot of new pieces. And then they looked like they figured it out. They beat Xavier uh, at one point in the uh, non-conference. And yet, then, they lose at Missouri in the SEC. Not easy to win on the road. I get it. But this is a Florida team. Once again, we still aren't quite sure which Gator team we're going to see in the SEC. And at number one, one of the best teams in the country when they want to be, and that's Maryland. Now, look, the Terps are going to be in the NCAA tournament. They're going to be playing for a potential high seed. But they're tough to figure out. Watch Maryland the way they absolutely just crushed Indiana at home. Then check out Maryland when they went on the road to Iowa or when they lost at Seton Hall when Seton Hall didn't have not just one, but its two best players. So the Terps at home in College Park, one of the best teams in the country. On the road, very questionable. Certainly one of the toughest teams to figure out this season. And that is my top 10 of the week, my Cats ranks. Now joining me here, March Madness 365, Wichita State head coach Greg Marshall after an 89-86 double overtime win at UConn. You guys were up nine with a minute left. What happened from your perspective? Well, uh, I got to help my young guards a little better. I thought we we had opportunities to, to beat the pressure. Uh, we, we the ball kind of stuck a little bit because we were we thought we were getting fouled, but you know. And at that, that time and score, especially in a place like this, playing a program like that, you have to really get fouled. And you're not, not going to call any ticky-tack fouls. So, you know, we, we kind of held on to the ball a little bit. The end of the first half and the end of regulation, we let the game get away from us. Other than that, for the first 40 minutes, maybe first, uh, first 17 or 18 of the first half and the first 19 of the second half, we were tremendous. And then both teams made play after play after play in the overtime. The, the and one by Tyson Etienne to begin the second overtime bookended this, the charge that Mo Yadeze took at the end of the second overtime. So much discussion always of should you foul, should you not foul. Uh, I think there was about 10 seconds left when you kind of inbounded the ball. Yep. Sidney Wilson hits the three-pointer. Right. Dexter Dennis actually fell down, yeah. maybe tripped, yeah. whatever, yeah. and so he's wide open. Yeah. Where, what's your philosophy on the whole foul or not okay. foul? Well, three. yeah, we have we, we had a three guys in the game with four fouls. We played that whole game in deep, deep foul trouble. So I had two of the guys to foul at, right at half court. And we were going to just play the foul shooting game and then hopefully get a defensive rebound. But we were also struggling against their pressure. So we would have had to attack their pressure one more time. So what we did was, if we couldn't get those two guys to foul, we were going to just play it out. We were going to switch everything. We were going to let them go inside the arc. And of, of all things, Dex somehow gets tripped up and leaves Stanley Wilson, who is not a great three-point shooter, wide open. I think he was like 0 for 3 or something on the year uh, before hitting 2 today. Dex and Dennis, uh, you know, there was a point where he needed some personal time. He left the team for a couple of weeks. He slowly worked his way back. In this game against UConn, he looked like the player the last couple of years. When he plays like this, when he produces like this, how does that change your team? Well, it gives us a higher ceiling. He's a tremendous athlete, a great player. He's a wonderful young man. And I love him, his family, his mother, uh, just awesome people. And had I not been so incredibly fond of them, you know, it might have had a different result, but I do. I, I really care for them. I think that they're the most, some of the most awesome people that I've ever had the opportunity to coach. So 
yeah, he was really hurting. And, and, and he just said, look, I, I got I to gotta do this for me. And I said, okay, well, you know, I don't have many options, but I really want you to do, be gone as long as you can till you feel better mentally and physically and come back. And he's slowly working himself out. He helped us win every game that he's been a part of, but he hasn't shot it. Today, he was rising up and sticking that three ball. He was taking it to the cup. I mean, he's probably got... Uh, but he lost a pound of flesh on some of those drives, and he's just got to finish or hopefully get a whistle. You've won nine in a row to this point. Staying on the road for your road game at Temple. Uh, you've coached a lot of really good, great teams at Wichita. Where is this team at right now? Well, right now we're 15 and one. And I don't, I don't want to start getting into that until the end of the year. But I love our ceiling. Uh, I think, you know, the, the fact is we're pretty doggone good right now and have an opportunity to be excellent. And uh, you know, we're not excellent yet. I mean, we, but we have 10 underclassmen. We have five freshmen and five sophomores on our, of our 13 scholarship players. So there's a lot of room for growth, and that's that's what gets me excited when I wake up every day. What can make this team excellent? We have to we have to do a little better job of executing our offense, uh, and we need to figure out how to play. Obviously, without fouling quite so much, they shot 42 free throws today. And um, other than that, I, I really don't know. Just understanding how to beat the pressure. You know, with the, we have so many young guards. We, we play two freshman guards a lot, and we played three freshman guards today. So. And one time we had them all out there together because everybody had fouls in the first half. We just got to let those guys grow up. And if they grow up at the same rate that our current sophomores grew up from this point last year to now, man, good things are on the horizon for the Shockers. And one other thing, Greg, you know, I've talked to a lot of coaches about this, that you only have to be good as good with comparable to this year's teams. Like, you don't have to be as good as your previous Wichita State team because this season, as we've seen, there may not be a great, great team, a team that's going to dominate, a lot of good teams. So when you put that in perspective, the ceiling that you're talking about, how good can this team be in terms of relative to the other teams this season? Well, I, I, I've not changed my tune. Even last year, I knew last year we wouldn't win a national championship. But my goal is to win a national championship at Wichita State, which means once you've got to win like six games in, in late March, early April. And uh, we've been playing in April a couple of times now. It's just a matter of uh, having the, the cards fall the right way, get the right draw, uh, continue to evolve with your skill level. And I don't have to worry about these kids' toughness at all, but our skill level and our execution uh, and we've, we're, we're, we're really good now, like I said, but I think by the, by the end of this year, possibly we could be excellent. And, and, uh, and if you strive for perfection, oftentimes you can achieve excellence, and that's what we're going to do every day. And so who knows what we can do this year, next year, and even the following year when at least 10 of these guys, if everything stays the same, would still be on our program. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Andy. Good to see you. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Kevin Pauga, the Assistant Athletic Director at Michigan State and the founder of KPI to discuss uh, the latest bracketing uh, at March Madness and overall the state of where we are in college basketball as the College Football National Championship is now over. Uh, and uh, basically, we are now looking ahead to March. Yes, we go quickly to the next thing in the American sports calendar. All right, so Kevin, first, for those that don't understand, we want to revisit this. Explain very quickly here uh, what the KPI is. Yeah, so so the KPI is one of the results-based metrics that's on the team sheets. 
Um, and, and the idea behind it is to, to assign a game value for, for each game played. So that way, from a, from a resume perspective, it's able to, to not just give coaches, but also the committee kind of an idea what to, what the value of, of each game is. So, so KPI and, and strength of record are, are on the team sheets from the results-based side. That's kind of the backwards thinking. Ken Palm, Sagarin, and BPI are on the team sheets that are more forward-thinking, more predictive in nature. And then NET, which is the NCA evaluation tool, is the primary sorting tool that's, uh, that's used by the committee to, to sort opponents on those team sheets. All right, so let's break down the March Madness bracket uh, for this week. Um, I'm going to get to the elephant in the room in the Big Ten here, the number of teams in a moment here. But let's first start at the top. Uh, For this week's bracket, Baylor, Duke, Butler, and Gonzaga are all number one seeds. Baylor was our team of the week, unbelievable road week, winning at Texas Tech and at Kansas. Uh, Butler has been, you know, arguably the best team in the Big East, although I slide toward long-term Seton Hall, but whatever. Uh, Butler's playing the best and has won uh, probably the most key games to date. And Gonzaga just keeps rolling. So kind of hard to knock them off when no one else has taken that spot from them. It's kind of feel like we're in that position before. And Duke is Duke this season. Uh, they've looked pretty good. Uh, the most part outside of the Stephen F. Austin uh, blip of a loss at home. Uh, what's your assessment of those four number ones? Yeah, so so what we're, we're starting to see at this point is is we're far enough into the season where where you start to be able to recognize um, what a quality win is, what an outlier is, um, like a like a Duke Stephen F. Austin result. Um, Baylor, in particular, sitting with a road win against Kansas that by KPI is actually the best win of the season, um, and then also has that uh, that one point home win over over Butler, who's who's uh, also sitting on on your one line. So so that resume is is as quality as it as it gets. Um, Duke. Is uh, has uh, gotten a few quality wins uh, of their own and played their traditionally difficult difficult schedule, and then and then and then Butler um, look like that. That's a that's a team that uh, that has really kind of surprised some 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 folks. They they have a kind of, kind of a sneaky under the radar win against against Stanford. That that I'm not I'm not sure that uh, that that Butler Stanford game necessarily resonated when it when it was played in Kansas City. But uh, um, from a resume standpoint, that uh, that that's one of those examples where um, as, as time goes on, as you learn more and more about. Uh, about who's uh, who's good, who's maybe surprising, who's maybe not quite as good, where some injuries settle. That Butler Stanford game is a good example of one that kind of flew under the radar, but uh, but it's really a quality win for Butler. All right, so I want to take these in a couple of groups. I'm not going to go all the way down, and you can check our bracket out at uh, all our all our March Madness social media handles. But I just want to do a couple of things here. Uh, first, let's go to the group of twos. Which two could you see uh, getting on that one line at some point? As we get closer to March, or obviously on Selection Sunday, and our twos are San Diego State, Auburn, Kansas, West Virginia. Yeah, so I, th- I think San Diego State's an interesting case because um, they've they've built up a bit of a resume in the in the non conference. They were able to to get a win uh, at, at BYU. They beat Creighton and Iowa in in Las Vegas. Um, so so they they definitely attempted to pe- to, to play people in the, in the way that they're playing uh, in that in that Mountain West Conference. Uh, Certainly a long way to go, um, but uh, with a road win against Utah State already under their belt, um, they've got a chance to to pile up a lot of wins and and uh, to be able to compare their 
um, their win-loss record against some teams around them that uh, that are bound to play a little bit more difficult schedule, a Kansas, a West Virginia, um, is, is going to be fairly interesting. So um, I, I'd keep an eye on on, uh, on how long San Diego State, in particular, is is able to kind of keep keep their uh, their streak going, um, and uh, and how they're able to perform in the Mountain West with a couple road games coming up. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, if they end up going undefeated. Uh, you know, how hard would it be to keep them off that one line if they're undefeated uh, and and w- with that having a high net ranking? Because they'll be in the top 10 in their net, I would think, so at the end of the season. So that'll be one interesting one to track. You know, Auburn, um, I got to believe at some point they're going to lose. Uh, it could even be this week with Alabama and Florida. Um, Kansas gonna have to, and West Virginia, you know, they got to sort of knock off Baylor at some point. So, you know, that, that'll be interesting to track that. All right, let's go down to the next grouping, the three-line, uh, where we have Dayton, Wichita State, Michigan State, and Oregon. Um, now, based on their league and all that, uh, I, I find it very hard for Dayton and Wichita State to get all the way up to the one line, but let me throw this at you. What are the chances and what do you think would have to happen for a Michigan State or an Oregon to go from our three-line to a one-line? Yeah, so, so keep in mind that, that most, most often – um, the teams on the one line have have at least a of one of two of a regular season championship or a conference tournament championship, and oftentimes they have both. So so for both of those for both of those teams, um, you're looking at uh, needing to to really pile up wins. There's there's going to be a lot of quality opportunities in the in the in the Big Ten. Um, the Pac-12 is is much improved this year. Um, so there's there's opportunities to to pile up. Um, kind of a mass of uh, of quality wins. North Carolina did that um, did that last year uh, in in terms of where they fell in the bracket. Wichita State and Dayton um, kind of have different paths in order to to get there. Wichita State's playing playing really well themselves, and uh, and and Dayton, um, frankly, is uh, is about as close as it comes to to being a a an undefeated team. Um, for sitting on two losses, that uh, that Kansas game in in Maui was a was a heck of a game, and then to to lose at the buzzer to Colorado when they played in Chicago a couple weeks back um, itself was um, more than forgivable. So so they've they've got some opportunities. Um, that's an improved Atlantic Ten um, with VCU playing playing well, with Richmond playing uh, playing better, much improved from from last year. Also a St. Louis team that's. Uh, that's uh, that's playing well, and a, and a couple others. The Atlantic Ten's got some got some depth, and uh, and in turn, that's going to create some opportunities for Dayton to to build their resume as well. All right. So the elephant in the room, um, and I've said this, and I know I'm going to get crushed for this. That in this bracket, there are 12 Big Ten teams. Okay, um, <laughs> there is no mention on the nitty gritty sheets of conference affiliation. Conference record is there, but it doesn't say Big Ten. Now, we all know what league these teams are in, but because the Big Ten is so strong, there are going to be more quad one wins, or quad one opportunities, I should say, in, and that's top 75, in the Big Ten than any other league. Uh, And at this juncture, this snapshot in time, you know, and there's a lot of them at the back part of, uh, of their March Madness bracket, it's just hard to keep these teams out. And now I'm going to rattle off, like, from basically 10 on down, uh, I could go even higher. I could go to the 8 line, where you're going to find Illinois, Rutgers, first time since 91, Penn State. Go to the 9 line, you got Iowa. 
10 line, Indiana, Purdue. And then in the 11 line, we've got Minnesota, um, who just knocked off Michigan. So the depth is there. Uh, how do I defend the criticism I know is coming? Oh, there's no way they could get 12 in. Well, I, I, I think there's a couple things going on here. One is that uh, is that it's still early, and there has been little separation in the Big Ten. Um, there's a there's a jumbled mess in the in the middle. Um, home teams have won 32 out of 37 games um, to date, which is a which is an incredible percentage. That eight that 87 percent uh, home winning percentage is the best of any thir- any of the 32 conferences in conference games. Um, so so some of it has a chance to work itself out. Um, if, if you've got six, seven, eight teams that are able to kind of create some separation, um, they could end up knocking some of those, some of those other teams out. Um, but, uh, but you're right that the, that the depth of the league is, is, is on display. And, and, and frankly, the several of those teams that you mentioned scheduled really well out of conference and were able to pick up some wins out of conference. Um, not just in Gavit games or the big 10 ACC challenge, but there were, there were some, uh, some wins and some MTEs and, uh, in some different places. Indiana has a win over Florida state, Minnesota beat Oklahoma state. Um, the, the list goes on. Iowa picked up a win in, in Las Vegas against, uh, against Texas tech. Um, so the, the depth is, is on display. Is it, uh, uh, is it possible that, uh, that uh, some teams are going to pick up some losses. Look, conference-wide, there's 140 conference losses to go around among 14 of, among 14 Big Ten teams. So somebody's got to take those losses on, um, and it's going to be really interesting to to see if it still plays out as kind of being a, a, a jumbled mess, or or if some teams emerge and some some teams fall back, and uh, and and that number that uh, that you have in right now kind of plays itself out. Well, and look, let's be honest. You know, from 11 on down. Uh, really, I could go higher than that, but I mean, even in this particular bracket where you've got VCU, Oklahoma, Minnesota, Houston, Florida, Utah, Oregon State as sort of the last teams in our March Madness bracket, uh, those could go in and out if we were to do this every day. Uh, so there's a lot of fluidity there. There's a lot of teams we didn't mention that have a chance to come in. Um, you know, so there, there's a lot that certainly could change. Uh, within this bracket, um, you know, for example, I was at the Creighton Xavier game over the weekend. You know, I got Creighton as a seven. If Xavier wins, which I don't have in, you know, that probably flips the script. I'm not saying Creighton is out, but Xavier's probably in. So, I mean, one game at this time of the season when we're doing the snapshot in time can certainly change uh, everything. Um, the uh, top 16 from the NCAA will be sometime in February, and that really is sort of our benchmark from that point forward. We get a real sense. Uh, of where things are are for those top four lines in each category. Uh, Kevin, I appreciate it. Uh, This is something I know is going to get a lot of debate uh, over the next week, but we're going to keep doing this uh, probably beginning uh, late January on a weekly basis as we really get into the the bubble bracket time of the month of February leading into Selection Sunday. So, Kevin, I appreciate it as always. You are the best. Your expertise is unmatched. And now here on March Madness 365, Chad Acock from Turner Sports. It is time for predictions, Chad, and it's also time to uh, see how I did last week. I know uh, I had a really good week two weeks ago. Struggled a little this week. How did I do? Yeah, I mean, you were on fire. It's hard to keep that up. Uh, This week, a little bit back down to earth. You went 6-6, and nothing to really brag about, but nothing to be ashamed of either. 
You nailed both games in Arizona's road trip to Oregon. Uh, Oregon got the best of Arizona in overtime, and then Arizona on Sunday night just really didn't show up And that trip to Corvallis. Oregon State looked really solid. Uh, Maryland beat Ohio State. Kentucky came back and beat Georgia on the road. Wichita State uh, took care of Memphis at home. And then West Virginia uh, knocked off Texas Tech at home. Now for your misses, you had Texas Tech winning at home against Baylor, and that didn't happen. Uh, You had Kansas beating Baylor as well. Baylor proving you're wrong twice in one week. You had Maryland beating Iowa. You had Ohio State beating Indiana. Indiana with a big win at home. Uh, You had Penn State beating Wisconsin. Wisconsin (laughs) can't predict that team. And Michigan State, I, I don't even know if they sent the team to Purdue, but they just got rolled in that one. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I don't think I'm crazy for my – I actually thought I was very conservative. You know, I went with a lot of home teams and teams that have been playing well. So I, I don't think it was that crazy. And, uh, you know, although you could argue that my Sunday night late pick that got me to 500 might have been the most controversial because Oregon State actually lost to Arizona State two days before that, and then bounced back and absolutely, you know, in the second half, uh, just pulled away from Arizona. They were shooting like 70% at one point in that second half and absolutely just torching the Wildcats. So actually felt like I ended on a high. Um, all right, so let's see what you got for me this week. Yeah, let's start Tuesday with Duke at Clemson. Clemson snapped an 0-for-59 streak at UNC. Prior to that, they beat NC State at home. You think they can keep the momentum going and knock off Duke? Look, on paper, they shouldn't win this game. And I'm afraid to pick this upset. Uh, and as soon as I say Duke is going to win, they probably will lose. But I can't go there right now because uh, those wins you just rattled off for Clemson, they were against teams that are really either erratic or struggling. That's not the case with Duke. Uh, even though Duke has been pushed on the road, especially like at Georgia Tech, I still think they find a way to win that game. All right, starting with a conservative pick with Duke. Now let's look at Maryland and Wisconsin. Badgers, unpredictable, uh, but they do have road wins at Penn State, Ohio State, and Tennessee. Tuesday, they'll be at home against Maryland. Who comes out on top? I have no faith on Maryland on the road. None. Zero. At home, they could win the national championship. So uh, Wisconsin at the Kohl Center has only lost once, a game they sort of gave up at Illinois where, with Illinois' strong comeback. So I'm going to go with the Badgers. Keeping momentum after beating Penn State. All right. Now, TCU is kind of flying under the radar. They're 12-3, and but they're off to a 3-0 and start in conference play. They'll go at West Virginia. Can they finally get the signature win they need? No. Uh, they've been beaten up at the bottom of the Big 12, which actually there's some creating some separation there. Uh, West Virginia at home, not losing to TCU. Going with hugs. Straightforward. Now, Wednesday, you've got Seton Hall at Butler. Seton Hall's rolling. They've won six in a row. They've got Miles Powell healthy and scoring the ball like he needs to. Uh, they got wins over you know Maryland, Marquette, and, and uh, Ad Xavier in this little streak they've got going. Can Miles Powell lead them to another road win here? Yes. This is my first um, road win of the selections. I think the Pirates, uh, which was my preseason pick, and I wasn't alone here because the Big East did as well, to win the Big East, I think ultimately they will win the Big East. I think they have better, they have a higher ceiling of those two teams. I think I, I could see Seton Hall getting in the Final Four over Butler. I'm going to go with Miles Powell and the Pirates on the road at Hinkle. Hinkle, that's a, that's a tough place to win, but I like the upset pick. Now here's a team, UVA, struggling hard, lost back-to-back games against Boston College and Syracuse. Is there any chance they can bounce back and shock Florida State and Tallahassee? 
No, I, I once again I have no faith in UVA offensively. Florida State, I think ultimately could be Duke's toughest test in the ACC. They could share it. They could win it. They're going to be right there down at the finish line. I'm going with the Seminoles. Yeah, I think that game could get ugly too. Friday night, Wisconsin again. This time at Michigan State. We talked all about Wisconsin and their road wins. Here's another chance for another signature road win. Do you see them winning this one? No. Um, I can't see the Spartans uh, basically having a week-long hangover after what happened with uh, Purdue. Uh, Tom Izzo will have these guys rolling for a Friday night in East Lansing. Wisconsin, in my picks here, will be coming off some momentum, uh, knocking off Maryland, but uh, I've got them losing in East Lansing. Yeah, Michigan State getting rolled by Purdue was probably the worst thing that could have happened for Wisconsin in terms of this game. It's going to be a long week of practice. It's going to be all over those guys, but we'll see what happens Friday night. Uh, Then you've got Michigan at Iowa. After back-to-back losses, Iowa bounced back by dominating Maryland at home. They'll face a bad Northwestern team before taking on Michigan, but who you got winning this one? So once again, Iowa is very much like Maryland. I wouldn't pick Iowa on the road at home. You know, right now, they're pretty good. And uh, Michigan has struggled on the road. So I'm going to go with Luca Garza, Joe Wieskamp, and the Hawkeyes. Friday night, I did one of these Friday night games in Iowa City. They're kind of rocking there. Uh, I think the Hawkeyes get, get the Wolverines. Yeah, I like that pick. Now, Saturday, you've got Ohio State and Penn State. Both teams kind of desperately need a win here. Penn State surprisingly dropped two in a row, one to one at Rutgers, and then one at home against Wisconsin. Meanwhile, Ohio State, they lost four in a row going into this week. So who's going to kind of break the streak and get a win here? I'm going to go with the Nittany Lions. Um, Penn State lost at Ohio State earlier this season, but Lamar Stevens didn't play, I want to say, almost the last 12 minutes because he fouled out. So I'm going to go with Penn State, revenge game here. I don't see them dropping multiple home games after losing to Wisconsin at home. I go with Penn State. Okay, now you've got Kansas at Texas. Tough week for the Jayhawks, a couple of road games. Uh, They've got Oklahoma and now Texas to cap off the week. Can the Longhorns take advantage here? No. Uh, I just don't think they have the personnel uh, on the perimeter or up front to deal with the Jayhawks. So I'm going with Kansas with a road win at Texas. Okay. Now you've got Colorado at Arizona. This is, this is Colorado's week to travel to both Arizona schools. They'll benefit in this game with it being the second game of that trip, so there won't be any additional travel. Uh, can they squeak out a road win at Arizona? Look, I think this is going to be just an absolute war down in Tucson. Um, but if this game were in Boulder, I would lean Arizona. Uh, I need to see more from Colorado on the road. We'll see what happens early in the week when, when they play at Arizona State first. But... For these purposes, I'm going to go with the Wildcats not to drop this game at McHale after what happened in Oregon this past weekend. So you would lean you would lean Colorado if it was in Boulder, correct? Yes. But for these purposes, Arizona gets the pick. Got it. Now, Kentucky at Arkansas. This will be Kentucky's third road game in their last four games. Who do you have winning in Bud Walton Arena? I got Arkansas. Um, Kentucky has flirted with this, with possibly dropping a road game. Um, you know, they, they got to a slow start at Missouri. Same thing happened uh, when they were playing um, at Georgia. But I, I just think that it is going to be absolutely electric at Bud Walton, kind of like what we saw maybe 20 years ago. Eric Musselman's got these guys revved up, and they got the personnel. Isaiah Joe went off in their win over the weekend. So uh, I, I got Arkansas with this win. Yeah, I love that pick. Dynamic duo, Mason Jones and Isaiah Joe. I'm right with the must bus too. Now, our last individual game pick this week, 
Louisville at Duke. Andy, last time these two teams met, Louisville blew that 23-point lead at home last year. Uh, surely the Cardinals will want revenge, but it won't come easy at Cameron. Who you got? I got Duke. Um, I don't have faith in Louisville right now on the road. Obviously, they're a different team at the Yum Center, but uh, this is obviously going to be the biggest home test to date for Duke. Uh, and we'll see, obviously, what, as I said, what happens when they play the rival Carolina, even though Carolina's down, and then um, and Florida State. But I'm going with Duke here to establish itself, if it hasn't already, uh, but by beating one of the elite teams uh, as the team to beat, along with Florida State, in the ACC. So Duke gets the win, at least in my opinion. Okay, and last week we asked you, you know, about the undefeated team, San Diego State and Auburn. Well, they both swept both of their games last week, so they're still undefeated. This week, San Diego State goes at Fresno State on Tuesday and then home against Nevada on Saturday, while Auburn has a much tougher schedule. They go at Alabama Wednesday and at Florida Saturday. What are we looking at this week? When we talk next week, there will be one undefeated team, and it'll be San Diego State. Um, my gut is that Auburn loses at Florida, beats Alabama in a rivalry game, but uh, I, I can't see them sweeping this road trip. Uh, you know, as, as everyone heard on the podcast, we just had Bruce Pearl on the podcast. Um, and, you know, he said he doesn't expect them to go undefeated. That's not what their goal is. And, uh, you know, I, I just think this is the week that drop one. But San Diego State, they're rolling in the Mountain West. If Fresno State does not pose the challenge, they've already won at Utah State. I think they take care of Nevada at home. Next week, we'll have one undefeated team in the country, and it'll be San Diego State. I like that pick, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Auburn dropped both of those games. Alabama and Florida are both going to be rocking for those games. Um, but we will revisit all of your picks next week, Andy. Appreciate it, Chad. And as always, uh, a thank you to our guests here on the March Madness 365 podcast, uh, Kevin Pauga, um, Bruce Pearl, Greg Marshall. And Chad, as always, keep me honest on the picks. You can download our podcast wherever you get your podcast, uh, And, of course, you can follow this uh, and all our coverage at NCAA.com and our social media handles at March Madness. Thanks for listening. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip-off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.